0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Wealth Effect podcast, where we discuss methods, strategies, and tactics to protect and compound your wealth. I'm your host, Matt Fabian, and I'm here to help you create your own wealth effect. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Wealth Effect podcast. I'm your host, Matt Fabian. Today's Monday, January 23rd, 2023. I know I haven't uh, posted in a while on this podcast, so happy new year to everyone out there. Uh, in terms of what we're talking about today, I know the debt ceiling is really on everyone's minds lately, especially with the government hitting the debt ceiling uh, and the Treasury needing to pull off extraordinary measures to not default on their obligations. So over the last week, it's really been nonstop news coverage of the federal government hitting that $31.4 trillion borrowing dollar limit. And in Washington, uh, you know the drama is taking center stage again. Although this is uh, really a regular recurrence over you know really the last decade, we've seen a few showdowns over the debt limit. Um, many investors are still understandably nervous given this time around. While it's unclear how this will play out politically this time around, Uh, before the estimated June 5th deadline. The fortunate news for now is that markets have taken these events in stride. But how can investors maintain perspective around the fiscal uncertainty despite this political theater? The large and ever-growing national debt is a controversial topic that impacts the economy and markets in many complex ways. At its core, budget deficits occur when the government spends more than it collects in taxes and other sources of revenue, adding to the total debt each year. Even though tax revenues increase as the economies grow, even without raising tax rates, they have, an out, they have been outpaced by spending over time. These expenditures have grown across mandatory programs such as Social Security and Medicare, in addition to discretionary items such as defense and education. These expenditures have only accelerated since the global financial crisis in 2008 and the pandemic in 2020. The difference between revenues and spending is funded by government borrowing, i.e. issuing treasury securities. Posted in the show notes, uh, we show the federal debt-to-GDP percentage And one key area that we like to focus on is there's the total debt, which is probably what you're seeing in all the news headlines, which currently stands at 120% uh, debt to GDP. But we like to look at net debt, which is basically backing out the uh, U.S. government owned debt, which I'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, But that stands at 95%. So about 25% less debt-to-GDP than what you're probably seeing uh, in a lot of the mainstream media and and business uh, news. So what makes this discussion challenging is that several complex issues are intertwined. First, the question around the debt ceiling is not about government funding spending per se, but that spending has already been authorized through the normal budget process. The only question around the debt ceiling is whether the government can legally pay its bills. This is akin to signing the papers for a new car and then requesting an increase in your credit card limit afterward. For most of us, that decision to buy something can't be separated from whether we can pay for it or not, even if it's with debt. Unfortunately, the congressional process for approving a budget by September 30th each year, is separate from whether the Treasury can pay the bills. This nearly reached a breaking point in 2011, when a political standoff around the debt limit led the rating agency Standards and Poor's to downgrade the U.S. debt. During this period, the stock market fell into correction territory, with the S&P 500 declining 19%. Ironically, the prices of treasury securities actually increased during the 2011 debt ceiling crisis, because even though these were the exact downgraded securities, investors still believed they were the safest in the world during that heightened uh, period of uncertainty. Congress eventually raised the debt ceiling back then to $16.4 trillion, a lot less than what it is today. Uh, and that successfully averted a government default. Debt ceiling standoffs have occurred several times since since then, with the limit suspended and raised in 2013, 2014, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019, I think you're starting to get the picture, and uh, 2021, and then again here this year. Fortunately, despite the headlines and investor concerns, these episodes had little long-term impact on markets. The U.S. has never defaulted on its debt, and nearly all economists and policymakers agree that doing so would lead to turmoil in the financial markets and increased borrowing costs for businesses and everyday citizens. Given how foundational U.S. treasuries are to the domestic and international financial system, the consequence of a U.S. government default is likely so severe that it really is not a political option. But that won't stop politicians from grandstanding and pushing the envelope in the attempt to achieve their policy goals. Also posted in the show notes, we show federal budget deficits to GDP throughout history. Again, the deficit is the annual amount that the government adds to the debt, the total debt, due to the fact that they, the government is taking in less revenue than they are spending. So that is the deficit, the uh, difference in their revenue and their expenditures. And you can see going back all the way to the 1930s that typically in any given year, we're running budget deficits. Uh, the last few years, 2020 and 2021, have been really large deficits, 15% in 2020 uh, and 12% in 2021 uh, budget deficit to GDP. Now, those are outsized years, typically in crisis years. That's what the government does. They spend more to try to you know, shore up the economy and, and kickstart it. Um, the last time the budget was balanced was in the Clinton years and then in the Nixon years prior to that, which I'll talk about here in a moment as well. Um, but you know, debt ceiling aside, the national debt at today's level means that it has more than doubled over the past decade. With very few exceptions, it has grown nearly every year over the past century. While this is often framed as a partisan issue, The unfortunate reality is that neither party has addressed the problem over the past decade. The last major effort was the bipartisan Simpson-Bulls Commission in 2010, which had little lasting impact on reducing government spending. And again, the most recent balanced budgets occurred during the Clinton years and the Nixon administration before that. Given how heated the topic of government spending can be, investors really should distinguish between their political feelings and how they manage their portfolios. In other words, investors should focus on what they can control and differentiate on how things work from how they would like them to be. The unfortunate reality is that deficits are unlikely to go away. And yet, despite how unpalatable that might seem, Markets have done well, regardless of the exact level of government debt and taxes over the past century. In fact, as unintuitive as it might seem, the best times to invest over the past two decades have been when the deficit has been the largest. These represent times of economic crisis, when the government is engaging in emergency spending, which tends to coincide with the worst points of uh, the business cycle and the market. And while this isn't something investors would hope is repeated, it does underscore the importance of not overreacting to fiscal policy and politics in one's portfolio. The next chart in the show notes, uh, we post uh, who owns treasuries, basically who owns the the, the debt of the U.S. government. Um, And many investors worry about who holds that debt and what this may mean financially and geopolitically as the debt grows and interest rates rise. While it's true that treasuries are held by other countries, including China, since treasuries are essential to the global financial system, about 77% of national debt is still held by the U.S. government itself or by U.S. citizens. The amount owned by U.S. government entities is generally excluded by economists when considering the total size of the debt, since this is the equivalent of moving money from one pocket to your other pocket. And to my prior comment about the net debt to GDP, that's exactly what we're talking about. So the net debt, g- debt to GDP is um, you know, less than the total debt to GDP, and it's really the best way of looking at it. Uh, So, you know, there's many headline numbers focusing on that total debt rather than net debt, which includes, excludes the government borrowing, uh, may not provide the most accurate picture. That said, many investors worry that growing debt and deficit levels mean that treasuries could be less attractive in the future. In the extreme, this could hamper the government's ability to roll its debt, especially given the jump in interest rates. And while this is a possibility, it's still unclear where that limit, where the limits are, you know, like how much debt can a government reasonably and sustainably have. Uh, Japan, for instance, has been operating with a debt to GDP ratio of about 250%. So, you know, really more than double the U.S. uh, for, for many years. And although interest rates have jumped over the past two years, uh, they really have also stabilized over the last several months, um, and, and which eases concerns over financing the government deficit. So what's the bottom line? The political theater over the debt ceiling will likely continue down to the wire, and there will continue to be media coverage over the saga. As with many political issues though, investors need to separate their political views and not react with their hard-earned savings and investments. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Wealth Effect podcast. Hope you're all doing well out there, and happy wealth generation. Investment advisory services are offered through Fabian Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. Nothing discussed during the show should be viewed as investment advice, Everything discussed is generic, non-specific, non-tailored information. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please reach out to us at info at fabianwm.com or call us at 925-322-2450.